As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. We're starting into the off-season. This is a weird, weird feeling, but... There's a lot to talk about, and I wanted to kind of do a focused episode here on one topic to start with, because there's a, there's a school that is going through some fascinating changes right now, and it's a place where not much has changed in a long, long time, and now it feels like everything's changing at once. I'm speaking, of course, of Clemson, one of the best programs in the country over the last 10 years, and a lot of that has been because of continuity, but that continuity uh, took a little bit of a hit, well, a lot of a hit, and we've got Grace Rayner, our Clemson beat writer at The Athletic, to talk about the new Clemson, because gone is Brent Venables, defensive coordinator, who is now the Oklahoma head coach. Gone is Tony Elliott, offensive coordinator, who is now the Virginia head coach. Gone is athletic director Dan Radakovich. Does da- is Dabo just by himself there, just saying, hey, guys, let's, let's get ready for the cheese it Bowl? Basically, I mean, I've, I've been, I will say I have been sent the uh, Fresh Prince of Belair meme like many times with, um, <laughs> with, Dab- with Davo's face photoshopped onto it this week. Um, yeah, I mean, this is kind of unprecedented in a way for Davo. I mean, they've just, they've, they've only lost one coordinator since 2015 and that was Jeff Scott and he, he, he was not the he primary was a play coordinator. Caller. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't calling the plays. So yeah, this is, uh, after enjoying six years of, I think, unprecedented continuity, they are, it's, it's just totally shaking up for him now. It, it, it's interesting because, you know, those, those who've been reading your stuff for the last month know that there were other changes coming, like Dabo begrudgingly probably going into the transfer portal at, at some point, even though he'd said he didn't want to do it. But he's, he's always said, hey, if I have to, I will. This may be an if I have to situation that they've got coming up. And yeah, I mean, this is this is the the biggest change they've had. I I would imagine since Venables was hired. You know, they they hired Venables. He had fired Kevin Steele after they got destroyed by West Virginia in the Orange Bowl, and it was you know Kevin Steele did not do well against the the spread offenses, so he needed to find somebody who was used to dealing with those. So they hired Brent Venables. Grace, this is how long this has been. Like. Kevin Steele has gone from being fired for not being good at dealing with spread offenses to becoming 
one of the best defensive coordinators at dealing with spread offenses at two different places at LSU and Auburn. And he's just taking the year off because he's all a wash and buyout money. I'm sure he'll be somewhere <laughs> next year. But but like that's how long this has been. That was 10 years ago. It was literally 10 years ago. Like Dabo a couple weeks ago was talking about all of the previous times at Clemson and um and he, his point was that, you know, this program was kind of built on adversity and he starts rattling off all these things. You guys remember this, 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 and this. And I'm seeing this press conference. I'm like, no, I do not remember this. Like when you guys were struggling against Florida State, I was a junior in college. Like, I don't remember this. No. Yeah, it, it has been so. And because they had these two major inflection points early in Dabo's career, two things that that had to happen or they would not have gotten where they were. And, and the first one Dabo has always said is, is one of the more difficult things he's had to do in his coaching career, and that was fire Billy Napier as the offensive coordinator after the 2010 season. He hires Chad Morris. Chad Morris brings in that offense. Now, Chad left before they started winning national titles, but sort of laid the foundation for the offense that Tony Elliott and Jeff Scott would run. And then the next one was they, they, win, the, you know, they win the ACC, they go to the Orange Bowl, and they get shredded, and they bring in Brent Venables, and that's – that was sort of the final piece of the puzzle. And it is amazing that it was 10 years of that. Yeah. I mean, I think that Brent Venables will go down as Dabo's greatest decision probably ever. Um, like, I guess we'll see how this plays out, but I mean, yeah, the fact that in the landscape that we have now in college football, where so many assistants are moving up and they're getting new jobs and the, yeah, the fact that Brent Venable stayed for 10 seasons and wasn't really necessarily in a hurry to leave, you know, he was just yeah. kind of, yeah. I mean, it had to be the right fit. And of course, Oklahoma made, made sense in many ways, but it wasn't one of those things either where he had been actively searching and trying to get out. Well, when you think of it though, Brent Venables looks like a genius, you know, the, the jobs that he's, been in the the mix. There have been good jobs. Like he was in the mix for the Auburn job last year, but the Auburn job is not not known as being as stable as the Oklahoma job. And Oklahoma is a place he was at, a place he loved, and it is known as one of the most stable recession proof programs in America. So he looks pretty smart <laughs> waiting for that. Yeah, I mean, you look back and I mean, I think if, I thought about this actually the, last week as this was all going down. Just exactly what you said. How different would college football, Brent Venables' life, Clemson, all these things be if he had taken the armor job. That would be very interesting. Well, they, they'd be seeing each other a lot. They're still going to see each other quite a bit because Oklahoma will go into the South and, and recruit as well, and especially now that Oklahoma's moving to the SEC, they're going to be recruiting a lot of the same players, but not nearly as many as they'd be recruiting if, if, they were, if he was at Auburn. Sure. I mean, they'd just be bumping into each other in Atlanta all the time. So, <laughs> yeah, literally. Uh, this is... Yeah, th this is going to be this is going to be less awkward, I think. But I mean, it, the chances of them seeing each other in the postseason, I mean, it, especially if there's a, a 12 team playoff, I, I bet we see a Brent Venables, Dabo Sweeney playoff matchup down the road. Yeah, I mean, sign me up. Was the last time they played? I don't think I was on the beat at this point, but was the last time they played when the stuff kind of went down on the bus between the two teams a little bit in the uh, in the Orange Bowl, I think? Well, no, the, the last time Clemson and Oklahoma played, wasn't that in the, in was the that Orlando playoff? Bowl? Yeah, the Russell Athletic. No, the Russell Athletic Bowl, wasn't it? Where Bob Stoops then fired Josh Heupel and, and Jay Norvell afterward. Oh, I don't know. You know better than me. This is before this yeah, that was, my time. That was a Cole, Cole Stout Clemson game. 
Ah, okay. No, no, okay. no, you're right. You're right. Didn't they, they played once with uh, with Deshaun at quarterback for Clemson? Right, in in Miami, I think, right? You were right. Yep, yep, that's right. They, they, I, I was covering Alabama-Michigan State that day, and I remember okay, both yeah. games were complete blowouts. And <laughs> the, the most interesting – what it did Christian Wilkins got to run a fake punt. That was, oh, that was that the most was interesting that thing that happened the oh whole time. Yes. <laughs> yes, okay. Because so, that was a week after the, the fake punt went rogue, right, at the AC Championship yes. where Dabo was, like, very mad. Okay, that was then. Okay. Yes. Fine. Yeah, so – yeah, it's it, it's been a while, but th- I think they'll see each other again. Before we get all, deep into Clemson, I, I do want you to, because we have obviously a lot of Oklahoma fans who listen to this as well. What can Oklahoma expect from Brent Venables? Because I know they're like, well, he worked here forever, but that was 10 years ago. How about yeah. Brent Venables now coming into Oklahoma? Yeah, I mean, I think what was most interesting to me about Brent Venables' introductory press conference is you can see the snippets of Dabo Sweeney's foundation that he's going to be taking with him. And I thought the most interesting part, just as someone who kind of enjoys the behind the scenes of recruiting, was how he spoke about how Oklahoma's going to recruit. And it's kind of going to be this Dabo Sweeney model of our offer is going to mean something. And so the I think the days of Oklahoma throwing out 200 offers are, are probably over. I think he's going to be more selective. I think he's going to be yep. picky. Um, I think that there are, there will be parts of Dabo's culture that he takes with him. But I also think like we've all seen Brent. He's very intense. He's very passionate. I think he'll bring his own personality into it in that way. Um, but I mean, I think it's I think it makes sense for a lot of reasons. I'm interested to see him kind of in that head coach CEO role a little bit. And um, we know he just obviously hired a defensive coordinator. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be a, a nice, ma- a nice balance of things he's taken from Clemson while, you know, putting his own spin on it. Okay. What happened to, a- what happens to Adam Smotherman for, for those who don't know <laughs> assistant strength coach at Clemson, but also Brent Venables get back coach. He basically looks, looks like a water skier being towed behind a Brent Venables boat during games. <laughs> Is he the is he going to Oklahoma too, or is he sticking at Clemson? Oh, that is an amazing question. Also, okay, because here's what I want to know: like, does Brent need a get back coach if he's not calling plays? I don't, I don't know. Ooh. See, his players, a lot of the Clemson players, a few years ago, because I asked about this, they told me they're convinced if there's a ball near the sideline, at one point he's going to intercept it and not oh, realize you, he's not. Have in the you game. seen the? Um, there's a photo of him. I think Clemson's playing at NC State and he's yes. jumping. <laughs> he's jumping yes. in midair. Yes. Yes. It's so it's it'd be it's way worse if you do that as a head coach. So <laughs> we'll see. But, but yeah, I I'm I'm very intrigued to see this. And so you go to the other side of the ball, Tony Elliott moving on to Virginia. We knew Tony Elliott was going to become a head coach at some point. Virginia seems like a great spot for him, for his personality, uh, for the type of players that that will really kind of work with him and work well with him. This is a guy who got an engineering degree at Clemson, was working at Goodyear, and then got bitten by the coaching bug and decided to come back. But uh, you always thought kind of like a high academic type school would be a good spot for him. And this definitely seems like the right kind of place for him. Yeah, as soon as it started kind of coming out that this was – an option, you know, and there were obviously he was linked to Duke as well. But I always thought he would have been a better fit at Virginia just for – for several reasons. And I think it's, it's probably, he's probably gonna be in a better place to win there. Um, but yeah, I think this, I think it just makes a lot of sense. Like you said, he's got this engineering background. He was out of football for a while. 
Uh, I think he'll recruit really well and maybe try to keep some of these Virginia kids at home that Clemson is taking, that North Carolina is taking. Mm -hmm. yep. um, I think he could tap into Washington, D.C. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, and I'm excited he's, he's still going to be in the ACC. I think that'll be a, a cool element as well. Yeah, and I, I do wonder what he'll take from Dabo as well because I imagine the yeah. foundation of their program. And that's another place where you can do the – we're only going to offer a hundred players. When we give an offer, it it's always committable until you take it, mm -hmm. and then if you don't take it, then we move on to somebody else. But uh, it seems like that philosophy would work well with a place where you know that that's a type of player that they're recruiting that the education is probably just as important as the football piece of it. So they are going to be pretty excited when they get the offer usually. Yeah, I think so. And I think that I think it'll be a good way too for Tony and Brent to build some some trust on the recruiting trail early. Um, and yeah. as we know, if you if you break that early, it's hard to come back from. But so, yeah, I think I think it'll work out for, for all parties in that regard. We'll be right back after these words. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, so we go back to Clemson, and now Dan Radakovich has, has gone to Miami where he knows how Clemson was built because he helped build it. Now, Terry mm -hmm. Don Phillips did, did a lot of it, but Dan was the one who modern-day raised the money, you know, helped allocate the money to, to create what they have at Clemson. He's going to Miami where basically they decided they're rich now at Miami. Uh, <laughs> after, <laughs> after decades of crying poor, they've decided they're rich, and they're going to spend as much as Clemson and – they're going to go head-to-head. -head. We know Mario Cristobal is a fantastic recruiter. And I'm excited to see that. But how how interesting is that for Dabo as he deals with a new boss? Now, it may be a boss that he's very familiar with, but also his old boss in the league trying to recreate what he's got there. Yeah, I mean, so so Dan talked with reporters in Miami right after he got the job, and instantly he started talking about Clemson in the third person and was kind of like, they are the gold standard, and we need to do everything as quickly as we can to catch up. And so I think that's a very fascinating dynamic is just, like you said, Dan, he's he's known as a builder, and Clemson got all these projects built under his, under his leadership. So I think certainly – just having him at, in the ACC, which I hope that we get a good Miami Clemson recruiting rivalry, all that stuff. But like you said, I think that that transition to me, if Clemson hires Graham Neff, as I think we all expect them to, that one to me, I think will be the smoothest one just because Graham has been there since 2013. He does a lot of the day-to-day -day stuff. He and Dabo have a great relationship. Um, so 
if they, in my opinion, don't overthink this and just give it to Graham, I think that mm-hmm. that will, <laughs> I think that that one should be the easiest of the three. And, and that seems to be the one that everybody's the most excited about having an internal transition, mm-hmm. an internal candidate. I, I'm curious with the defensive coordinator because Dabo could go internal for both of the jo- the coordinator jobs he has open. Uh, he could go Mickey Kahn and Wesley Goodwin, Goodwin for the, the defense. Uh, he could go Brandon Streeter for the offense. I think everyone's assumed that Brandon Streeter would be the guy offensively when, when Tony Elliott and Jeff Scott were both gone. But do you think he will go internal for both of them? I think if I, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a betting person, but if I was, <laughs> I would, I would say yes, just because of the way we've kind of seen him operate over the past several years. I mean, Jeff leaves and Streeter becomes passing game coordinator. And then, you know, when, when he kind of shuffles things around and he needs a running back coach, CJ Spiller comes on board, uh, Tyler Grisham, a couple of years ago, former player, he likes to really mm-hmm. keep it in his tree, if you, if you will. So yeah. yes, I, I won't be surprised at all if that's what he ends up doing. That, what's going to be interesting about this is as the years go on with, with Venables now at Oklahoma, with Tony Elliott at Virginia, Jeff Scott still down at, at South Florida, how many of the tree get plucked before he can have them ready? Because that's, that's one thing is, is you can have GAs who are talented, but they can get picked off and become a USF position coach or a Virginia position coach before you're ready to move them up. And sure. that's... But but it's interesting to me, Grace, because I was thinking about this. I, I had a conversation with Nick Saban about this. Oh gosh, I want to say about four years ago. It was when they were going through yet another period of of massive staff upheaval, and he was talking about. I know it was even longer than that. I'll tell you when it was. It was almost ten years ago. It was oh, wow in okay. 2012. We were talking about how many people he'd lost and why he had all these analysts. And he said, part of the reason I do this. Besides the efficiency piece of it, which is the, the main reason they do it, they want less kind of grunt work for the the main position coaches, and they want knowledgeable people to be able to do this stuff. And so they take coaches who are on buyouts, and they don't have to pay them very much. But what he also liked about it was having those guys inside the system for a little while. So even if they never became a position coach at Alabama, they would go somewhere else. Let's say Billy Napier is a good example. Now he wanted coming back to be a position coach at Alabama, but he was an analyst. He goes with Jim McElwain to Colorado State when Jim McElwain gets the head coaching job as a position coach. And when Alabama needed somebody to come in, they could hire Billy Napier as the receivers coach, and he already knew what was up. He already knew Mm -hmm. how to work. They didn't have to train him. And Mm -hmm. Saban loved that. But he was not a big fan of just – pulling someone up. It was, he wanted him to go somewhere else, pick up something else and then come back. The The difference I think with Saban's tree is that I think he feels like anybody who's also worked for Belichick qualifies. Like you don't have ah. to have worked for Saban mm-hmm. if you've worked for Belichick. So sure. that's a different, that's a different story with Dabo. They have a very specific way of, of working and nobody else really does it that way. And so I, I am curious how open they are to new ideas from somewhere else because they haven't really gotten many in a, in a long time. Yeah. And I think that's where the pushback will, will come if he does go internal times two. I mean, Brent Venables is the ultimate example of, of how incredible an external hire can be for your program. Yes. I mean, 
Dabo talked a lot in 2012 about how he did not know Brent very well, you know, and then of course he got to, to know him, but like the blueprint is there for, for Clemson to, to go external and, and it work out for them. So that's where I think he will, he will get the most flack. And that's a good example because Brent Venables, when he came to Clemson, his two most recent bosses were Bob Stoops and Bill Snyder. Now, Bob had worked with Bill Snyder also, so there's a lot of the same kind of foundation there. But Bob had also gone to work for Steve Spurrier. And Bob took a lot of how he treated his assistant coaches in terms of work-life balance from Steve Spurrier because he hated the way Bill Snyder made them work. And so Brent probably brought quite a bit of that too. And I, I do think it's interesting, and I do think new ideas are always a good thing because that's one thing with, with, with Clemson, it does feel like they – they had a great thing. This was the first bad year since they figured out the formula. Yes. And the natural question is, was it just the circumstances of the season? Maybe they didn't have a, a, a backup behind DJ Ungle to really push them. Maybe the offensive line just kind of dipped a little bit in terms of their recruiting. But do they need some fresh ideas? Right. And I think that's where people are, are. I think that's the question that he's going to get is, okay, is this, I, I hate to even, I, I, this feels really blunt, but like, is this offense kind of stale right now? And right. You, yeah, I mean, and then you're, if you promote Streeter, then it's presumably going to be, I mean, of course he'll have his own spin, but it'll, it'll be very similar. The base will be the same. And yeah, I mean, I think that's where that's why I think that this offseason is going to end up being the most important offseason of Dabo's career. Like wherever Clemson goes from here, I think we will look back and be like the 2021 offseason or 22, if you will, uh, will explain it one way or the other. Yeah. And, and I think the, the transfer conversation is another piece of that because mm -hmm. they've not taken a transfer since Dabo Sweeney has been there. They, they had record. I mean. Their lack of attrition from, I want to say like 2012 to 2016 or 17 was incredible. I, I can't remember that. I think it was 2012 to 2015 when I was, I was doing a story back at my old job and, and was trying to explain how few people leave the Clemson program. Because, you know, usually most big programs, even successful ones, they lose five or six guys a year through attrition. Either they leave the team or they flunk out or they get kicked off or whatever. But Clemson lost seven people in four years in a four-year period. Seven people to a That's it. Nobody wanted to leave. Now, That's they've had wild. more situations since they became kind of a perennial top 10 recruiting type team. They've had more situations where there were guys who just wanted to go play who've gone somewhere. But they've not needed to backfill with transfers. They, that's just mm -mm. not really, they've always had high school players that they were confident in or, you know, players they signed out of high school that they were confident that they could develop. But do you think now that, that you can go get a Jamison Williams out of the transfer portal or, you know, you can get a Justin Fields out of the transfer portal if you're, <laughs> if you're in the right circumstance. I mean, Cle and I say that because Clemson can certainly get all of those types of transfers. They, they would be in the mix for, for anybody like that. Do you think that, that maybe just kind of here and there, because I know Dabo is not going to be like, it's not going to be like Florida state was last year, Michigan state, where you're trying to get a whole new team, right. but one or two key positions, could they do mm -hmm. it? Yeah, I think they could. I, I think right now, as of 
whatever, three o'clock on December 12th, three days before signing day, they, you can make an argument. They have to do it. I mean, they have 12 commits right now in this class. Dabo said they wanted to sign 17 to 20. Um, yeah. And, and I think you, the, the big question at Clemson all season was, well, what if they had gone into the portal and gotten an experienced offensive lineman who could have helped them a little bit. And so I don't think, I think you're right. He's never going to be the type that, that stocks up his, his roster, from the transfer portal, but I think there's right now he views it as like worst case scenario where I do think there is some opportunity for him to, to fill some holes. It's interesting to me. I, I wonder if they're planning on that. They've got some offers out where they think either people who haven't decided or are people going to flip, or do they just have some spots set aside for the transfer portal? Cause they, they the moved Danny portal? Pearman, right. They moved Danny Pearman off the field and into kind of, I guess the it'd be the, like the equivalent of an NFL uh, pro scouting department where they would the people who look at the other teams for potential free agent mm -hmm. signees or or trade targets. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that's possible, and maybe we'll find that out here in a couple of days where maybe they've had something up their sleeve or or in the process of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the in the past when he's taken a transfer, it's been a you know walk on kicker or. Um, intentionally a backup quarterback from Stanford, mm -hmm. whatever, 10 years ago. So um, I, I, I think that's really fascinating because, and you would know better than I do because just because you covered college football nationally, but I don't know that I've seen anyone else have a similar stance on the portal as Dabo. No, strongly. no, because even, even Alabama, like Alabama was actually when the grad transfers became in vogue again, they would, they would go get a couple guys, you know, they got, uh, Garrick Dieter out of Bowling Green. I'm blanking on the guy. They got a guy from Oregon State who was a, a good receiver. Now, that was at the time when you didn't see star-type players. Like, Jamison Williams just happened to be caught in a logjam behind some great players at, at Ohio State. So that's how he winds mm -hmm. up. Uh, Jermaine Johnson, who, who was the ACC Defensive Player of the Year for Florida State, he, he wanted to be an every-down player. Georgia was so deep they didn't need him to be an every-down player, so he left. You know, you're going to see – it's not going to be – an abundance of these guys, but there will be three or four a year who are like that. Mm -hmm. And Clemson will be in, in the position to, to, to take them if they want to. So it, sure. that, that will be interesting. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I, I want to ask you about a, a quarterback that Clemson has committed who is planning on signing with the Tigers on Wednesday, and that's Cade Klubnick. Is there a chance he could come in and compete right away? I think so. I mean, I think, and kind of like what you mentioned earlier is you have to wonder, did DJ Wiengele not get pushed super hard in practice just from a, a backup standpoint? I mean, you look at DJ's numbers this year and the way he struggled – I think Cade's going to come in anyway, wanting to compete. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, this is a, this is a five-star kid. He's, he's number one in his class now um, at the quarterback position. And so I don't think it, I don't think it hurts Clemson to kind of foster some competition, but 
Uh, everything that you hear about Cade, you you hear from his high school coaches. He seems like a guy who who has exactly what you're looking for. Well, if we go back into the past when they've gotten these types of quarterbacks, they certainly have not been handed the job, but they have been handed an opportunity to win them. And, and sure. Sean Watson and Trevor Lawrence both wound up the, the starting quarterback as true freshmen. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. I mean, Trevor came in and, and knew the situation exactly. And it took him what four he, he started in week four, five. Four games. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that, there's the, that was that redshirt rule the first year, and yes, yeah, Dallas said it had nothing to do with the timing of of that decision, but I'm sure it kind of did. And Kelly Bryant got to play another year at Missouri, so yeah, uh, it is uh it is amazing how kind of on the they they've been on the cusp like of all these things, but Dabo has tried to keep this kind of old school, mm-hmm, definitely. And definitely. It, which is weird because he's not an old guy; like he was 38 when he got the job. <laughs> He's not. Well, that's where I. That's where I wonder if, like, because yes, he was not old when he got the job, but he has been in this job for now what fourteen seasons, and so yeah. I do sometimes that I sometimes I have to remind myself, like, okay, maybe that is where this is coming from, because no, he's not in his sixties or seventies, but he has been in this job for as long as a lot of other head coaches have been in their jobs. You're exactly right, and and if you think about it a lot of the people who were the head coaches when he started are now retired out of the business. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think in, in the FBS, Nick Saban was already at Alabama. Uh, Kirk Ferentz was at Iowa, but Gary Patterson now not the TCU coach anymore. He, he was there. I, I don't think there's that many more who would, who would be contemporaries for, for when he got the job. For, so yeah, that are still the, around. The, yeah. the world has changed quite a bit. So sure. now, I guess the 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 real question is, how's he going to handle a cheese at bath if he can win this game? <laughs> oh my gosh, I can see his face now. He's probably going to love it. He seems he seems like the type of person that would be pro cheese it. You oh know? yeah, I mean, th- how many well, kids? Well, first of all, who have? isn't? Right? Uh, how, how many, many kids th- do they have? Uh, like him and his wife. Yeah, three. They have three boys. Okay, so they yes they had three boys. There is a point where cheese it saved their lives at, at, <laughs> right, at one point. Now I know all the, the boys are college age or older, so but but there there was a point I'm sure sometime around like 2005 that oh, cheese it's absolutely saved their lives from a terrible tantrum or you know a bunch of property destruction. So I, I'm sure I'm sure he's a fan. I'm sure Matt Campbell's a fan as well. This will be this will be an interesting game between those two because you know that that's a Matt Campbell is a guy now he doesn't his recruiting strategy is different from Davos so they'll they'll throw out a bunch of offers and everything but in terms of the way they run their program it is very much the same way hey we're going to have our fun but we're going to work hard and they get pretty darn good results out of that yeah yeah i think they spent some time together too recently in the past couple of years Campbell came down to Clemson i think and and kind of checked the program out a little bit Oh, I think that's Ooh, what Dabo so said. Maybe, uh, maybe Dabo's new co-defensive coordinators, if he decides to go that route, will be uh, will be talking to John Haycock and, and stealing his defense like everybody in the Big Twelve has. So, it's just, yeah, well, didn't Venables also do that too? Didn't he? I feel like of course Venables, he did. Of yeah, course he, he did. So. Yeah, yeah, yep. So this is this this is more of an opportunity than a game. It sounds like this may be a, <laughs> an exchange of information that's going to help both parties, but. 
it, it, it is. It does feel like this is the last game of an era. And I know, obviously, the coordinators are already gone and working in their new jobs. But it feels like this will be the end of, of one era at Clemson. And, and really, it's mm-hmm. up to Dabo to decide what happens with the next one. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think that you can't really overstate just how critical it is that he gets this right this offseason if Clemson wants to stay where they've been. Well, we are going to find out, and it is going to be fascinating to watch. Grace Rayner, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Andy. 